This is Elected Women Across America, a podcast brought to you by the National Foundation for Women Legislators. I'm Brenna Kihuskelly. We're bringing you stories from the elected women that shape our organization on issues that shape them and the districts that they serve. In this episode, the spotlight is on healthcare, a topic that could, of course, be covered by an entire podcast series. Our health is our life, and for elected women, supporting their constituents and living their best lives is always the goal. To better serve elected women, NFWL brings them together to discuss these important issues, which is why, over the summer, we hosted our healthcare summit in Washington, D.C. We believe that convening elected women is essential for ensuring diverse voices are heard in order to lead to policies that can address critical issues. We work to create events that inspire leaders, build alliances, and empower women to advocate for change. We have seen firsthand that collaboration among elected women fosters legislative impact and community engagement, and our healthcare summit was no different. NFWL events always pull together elected women from across the country and across the aisle. And for our healthcare summit, we focused our energy to bring together women with experience in healthcare. We invited women who work as healthcare professionals and those who sit on committees of significance. For two years in a row now, this summit has resulted in substantive conversation, pointed questions, and a true collaboration of good ideas. It is at this healthcare summit that I was able to talk to Senator Liz Bolden, Assistant Majority Leader in Minnesota. After earning a Bachelor's of Science in Nursing, she worked as an ICU nurse for years. She earned a Master's of Science in Nursing with a focus in education, all while managing her young family. She sits on the Health and Human Services Committee now and shared with me her passion and examples of issues that can garner bipartisan support and make lives better for her constituents. So I'm Senator Liz Bolden. I serve in the Minnesota Senate uh, in Minnesota. Uh, I am here uh, for the healthcare summit. I, you know, outside of the legislature, my other work is that I'm a registered nurse. I've been a nurse for over 21 years. And so healthcare is near and dear to my heart uh, in many different ways. And so um, I, you know, here to connect with other folks doing the work and get ideas and, um, you know, to, to continue that work to be sure that everybody has the care that they need. Yeah, I, I think that's so cool being a nurse and then being an elected official. I mean, you must have such, uh, you know, your finger on the pulse of your community. I think all my friends who are nurses, they just know what's going on, <laughs> you know, um, so much more, I think, than your average average person. So I love seeing nurses in uh, elected capacities. I think it, it just makes me feel good about <laughs> my community when I have, I have a nurse representing me. Um, how did you, how did you first run for office? How did you make that leap? That's, that's a big step. It is. It's, it's in some ways it's very different, but I will say most, if not all of the skills I have learned in my many years as a nurse, uh, translate to legislating, um, in, in ways that I sometimes like didn't even always expect. And so um, I will say uh, running for office is not something I thought I would be doing <laughs> a handful of years ago. I'm very much an introvert and I love nursing. Caring for people is what I do. It's who I am. And I love being a nurse and I fully expected that is what I will do for my whole life. Yeah. And um and uh, have always been sort of civically engaged and involved and informed and um, was involved in my community around issues that I care about. Um, and through that and some community organizing um, and really making, building relationships with people in my community uh, led me to um, uh, to 
make the leap to run. Um, I first uh, volunteered on a, on a house race in my district. And then, um, you know, at that point I thought, well, this is how I'll be engaged. I'll help other great women get elected. <laughs> and then the next cycle, uh, the my representative announced that he was retiring, left an open seat. And then people came to me and said, Liz, you should run. Good for that. Um, Good for and you. So took took some uh, thought and many conversations. <laughs> I didn't uh, jump right away at that, but really I, I'm a doer. And I think that it comes from being a nurse as well. Like yeah. I, I'm a doer. I want to get stuff done. And so I'm a believer. And if you, if something needs to be done and you can do it, you should do it. Don't wait for somebody else to come along and do it. You should do it. And so stepped out of my comfort zone and uh, ran for the house uh, in 2020 and then uh, for the Senate in 2022. Wow, and that's that's a big leap too. Uh, that takes guts to leave, you know, the comfort of incumbency and and all that. So, how did you? What convinced you? Yeah, that was also um, unexpected. You no, know, life takes twists and turns that you can't always uh, anticipate. Um, and I I loved my time in the house um, and expected I would just continue that. But again, I'm a doer. My experience in the house was we were divided government, and so we would pass really good legislation off the House floor, and we would send it over to the Senate, and it was just obstruction. Nothing would happen. It would go to the Senate to die, and so. I want things to get done. And so I knew that flipping the Senate was the only way we were going to actually get things done. And so I said, let me let me go over there and try to do some things. And what a year Minnesota had. I know we're bi- bipartisan, so we don't get into all of the, the accomplishments, but I know Minnesota had quite a banner year. So um, congratulations on all that work and being a part of that. I mean, that's got to feel you know, it's got to feel kind of amazing seeing all these national headlines about how exactly Minnesota flipped the Senate, what an achievement, and then didn't sit on it and made huge leaps and bounds. So that's um, that's really impressive. Yeah, thank you. It was an amazing session. Um, and it, I'm really, really proud of the work we were able to accomplish for Minnesotans. What do you see are your, you know, Obviously, healthcare is a passion for you. Obviously, I mean, obviously, it's your skill set and, and your experience. Um, but what you know, what are your top issues? Like what, what are, I sometimes we say, you know, so often at these types of conferences, like the low hanging fruits are always sometimes easy because these accomplishable goals, but um, you know, what steps, what steps are your, what's your dream in your mission to help make your community better? Like what's the healthcare goals that we can achieve or you hope to achieve? My big main goal is to be sure that everybody has access to the affordable care that they need. Um, I uh, want us to get to single payer healthcare, universal healthcare, so everybody has access to care and it's not not a barrier for anyone because everyone deserves that. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us do, regardless of race or place or income. And so that's ultimately where I want to get. Uh, I know that that isn't going to happen next year. And so there's lots we can do in the interim. Um, I always say, you know, I am all for working on things that will get more care to people. And so that, you know, looks different in in many different ways. I carried a bill this last session that I'm proud of that uh, around um, charity care. So the hospitals are, you know, required to do so much in charity care. But what we found, there was some reporting uh, in our state that um, hospitals were not uh, informing patients of this. And so there were patients who, you know, hospitals were actually taking to court for their medical bills when they, they would have qualified for charity care. And so um, we passed a law saying, you know, requiring hospitals to screen patients for both um, uh, assistance like Medicaid, those types of things, state assistance, as well as their charity care program. So if they qualify, they should yeah. They should be able 
take advantage of that. People shouldn't have to be taken to court or, or you know, what we would heard is that patients were, or you know, families, patients would, um, uh, you know, pay off that medical debt with credit cards and leave, then leaves them with this huge debt. And so, you know, we know that the number one cause of bankruptcy in America is medical debt, and that is wrong. Um, and so that's one space that, that I have worked on and will continue to work on. And also um, mental health care um, is really, really important to me. Um, we heard a, a great session just today yeah. around um, maternal mental health care, which I took lots and lots of notes and have <laughs> plans to have more conversations to see what that's right. To see what else we can do about that. That's uh, another space that's really important to me. And, um, you know, that comes down uh, in many ways to access as well. Um, so, yeah, a couple of areas. Do you still practice as a nurse? I do. Part-time legislature. I know every state is different. Yes, we're part-time um, legislature. And so I take a leave. I don't work a little bit, but not a, a lot during session. And then, yeah. And is your your work supportive of that? Is that something that the hospital system is, is able, I mean, I guess nurses are so needed. They'll take you whenever they can get you. There, there is a need for nurses, uh, certainly. And so I'm uh, yeah, fortunate to be able to uh, adjust my work and my schedule. And yeah, there's, there's certainly a need for me uh, on, you know, at any time I can work. And so during the interim, I, I do work, uh, you know, as much as I can. Do you have a, a specialty in neuronursing? Are you ICU or? So I, in my 21 years, I've done many things. That's one of the beauties of nursing is that there's lots and lots of options. Um, so in my time as a nurse, I started um, on a neuromedical unit for about a year. And then I worked in the uh, neuro ICU for about 10 years. And then I got my master's in nursing education and was a, an educator for the float staff. And then I was a manager of some nurse educators for about five years. And I just last fall went back to the bedside in the hospital um, into the float staff. So I go all over med surge areas um, across two hospitals wherever I'm needed. Wow. Wow. That's glad there are people like you in the world. I'm a little squeamish when it comes to some of that, but, um, but it's, it's really impressive to, to have you here and, and to talk through the work you're doing. And I want to go back to the, the charity care. And do you know if that is in other states? I I'm, I'm definitely want to do more research on that because that seems like, you know, it is kind of like a, an easy problem to solve. It seems to me like you have this thing that exists. It's something that should be done the way it's supposed to be done. And here's the legislature saying, hey, that's not happening. Let's just do this. It's, it seems like you probably got easy buy-in because it's not or easy enough buy-in, I guess, maybe, but it's it shouldn't be a new concept. It's something that was already created and for its, and you're just telling them to do it for its purpose, right. you know? You know, that's a great question. I don't know if other states uh, have similar legislation or not. I will um, assume mm -hmm. uh, that other states have the same issue that, you know, I'm sure there's uh, cases in other states where, um, uh, you know, patients would qualify for that, but just don't know about it. Yeah. Um, and so, as I said, we, there was some really great reporting done that brought it to my attention, um, uh, as well as some other members and certainly uh, my partner in the house who carried it as well. Uh, when we just said, I mean, we, we have to do something about this. This yeah. is not right. But how, what does implementation look like? So it's passed and now you just, is there like an auditing of the the hospitals for to make sure they're doing it right? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's not necessarily auditing, but there, is, you know, if, if it doesn't happen and, you know, it can, it will be brought to the attorney general, essentially, if, if it is, if 
patients, families, you know, if it's found that it doesn't happen, then there's remedy that way. Okay. That makes sense. Um, just because I just, this seems like a, a, just a great issue for, for this group. I think a lot of women at this conference would want to take that and kind of run with it and make sure and look into their own hospital systems and make sure this isn't happening in their communities. Um, so I love hearing about this and seeing, talking about it now so we can get it out there and see if people can um, learn more about it. And then in terms of mental health, I mean, it's such a huge issue. You know, we heard one small piece of one small part of the puzzle and even that is massive. You know, you could have an entire summit just on maternal mental health policy in there. I mean, there's so many disparities in maternal care um, that we didn't even really get into. I think there is, I mean, there's so much. Mental health um, is so complex and I think it crosses so many different spectrums, not just in the health system. It's with criminal justice. It's, I mean, it's in the schools, it's everywhere. Um, and yet everyone is dealing with this in, in your community. And I mean, it also, you know, I think mental health crosses with uh, substance abuse as well, which is its own animal and, and huge thing. Um, so how do we, I don't know. I think it's so overwhelming sometimes. And, you know, I, I, here we are talking about one issue and, and as a legislature, you have to vote on every issue under the sun. So how do you, how do you become a champion for an issue and, and, and decide, you know, as you're going into the 2024 session, how do you pick and choose what, what are you going to, what's going to be your passion for that year and how you're going to champion it? Yeah, that's a great question because there is so much, I mean, there, there's, so many things I want to do and, and so much to get done. And, and, you know, part of being in this role is knowing that you can't do everything. And so much of it depends on timing too, right? Like the timing has to be right for certain things. Um, and part of it is, you know, building support and, and, and having, you know, the right, you know, you have to obviously have to have the votes to pass on anything. And so, um, you know, for me, um, you know, I, I do healthcare isn't the only space in which I work. I work on democracy issues and early childhood issues and housing. Um, but again, healthcare is near and dear to my heart and it always sort of comes back to that. Um, mental health care in particular, I think is so intersectional, it crosses so many, you know, you talk about early childhood, you talk about housing, you talk about like that relates to mental health too. And so, you know, it's sort of ever present. Um, and so there's also, you know, I have personal experience and experience in my family with these issues. And so it's personal to me as well. Um, and that's another piece of it. Um, and so, you know, I think about, um, you know, having an impact. And if we can have an impact on this piece, like the ripple effect of that has so many other positive impacts. Um, I also, you know, I want to be effective in my work and I, I want to sort of, you know, you want to kind of get your bang for the buck and how, like, how can you have the most impact and, yeah. and mental health care um, is one of those things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, certainly there were mental health care needs pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but as with other issues, the pandemic really, I think, shone a light on what the needs are and exacerbated those needs. And, and we're going to have needs, um, you know, from that, you know, for decades to come, probably. And so, um, may, again, making sure that we are doing all we can to be sure that, you know, everybody has the care that they need. We've we've got a long ways to go for that. And, and another thing you sort of mentioned is the racial disparities. That is another issue that is really, really important to me. And we say that in all aspects of healthcare and mm-hmm. mental health care being one of those. And so, um, you know, it's another, it's an issue. It's, it's big and it's complex and there's not like one thing we can do, 
but it's not impossible. I mean, there are like things that that make sense that we can do. We can raise reimbursement rates. We can, you know, incentivize programs to bring more people into the field. Um, and so it's not impossible. Yeah. There are things that we know work. Um, and so that's the work that I'm committed to doing. In the legislature, do you um, do you feel like your colleagues look to you as, as a real resource because of your um, healthcare experience? So, do you have other fellow nurses or physicians in the legislature with you? Do you guys have like a little caucus or something? <laughs> there are there are a number of healthcare folks uh, in the Senate. I got a I got a count now. We've got three physicians, I think, and two nurses. Uh, so my colleague Erin Murphy um, is a, a fellow nurse, and then we've got three physicians. So there, uh, we do have a little uh, healthcare caucus, if you will. And so I, I do think we are looked at as resources in this space, certainly, um, and I think rightfully so. And I think. Um, it has been very interesting going back to the bedside and taking care of patients. You know, as you said, you um, mentioned like feeling like nurses have their finger on the pulse of the community. And I think that's true in many ways. It has been really eye-opening for me um, to be interacting with patients and almost without fail. And, and my patients don't know, you know, who I am or, you know, what I do outside of being their nurse for the day, most times. Um, but almost without fail, every day I work, I have an unsolicited conversation with a patient or family member about how I, I don't use the word broken because I don't think a system is broken. Like it was built this way to not work for many people, but how our system just does not work for anyone. There are so many barriers. There are so many difficulties. And so um, hearing those stories day after day after day is motivation, if nothing else, to to f make it better. That's awesome. I know. I mean, I was thinking today, you know, one of our speakers who is a healthcare advocate, and then there she is running into challenge after challenge after challenge and struggling to overcome. And she's equipped with everything you could possibly have. And, you know, I have a friend who, you know, whatever, just got denied coverage or something. And it's like, they just kind of gave up and you're like, ah, no, you can, you know, you got to keep fighting. You can't just accept that. I can uh, absolutely relate to that. I, last year, my uh, adult son was in a very bad motorcycle accident um, and ended up with significant, um, uh, disabilities and medical complications. After that, he was in the hospital for two months. He was in two different rehab facilities for four months after that, and it will have lifelong challenges because of that. And so for the last year, I've been navigating the healthcare system, you know, of which I've worked in for 20 years. I have nearly every privilege and resource that anybody could have. I, you know, I, I have all resources at my fingertips. And it has been so challenging. And so I think about that almost every day, about how difficult it has been for us and my family with every almost possible resource and, and how much more difficult it is for everyone else. It's We have to do better. As we head into our annual conference in November, we're looking forward to engaging in policy sessions on maternal mental health, the importance of adult vaccines, making healthcare choices more affordable, and more. And of course, at this event, we'll be featuring topics on every subject under the sun, not just healthcare, but we are excited to keep building on our Healthcare Summit success. I know I can't wait to see the conversations unfold in Orlando. This has been Elected Women Across America, an NFWL podcast. We'll continue to bring you more stories from the women who serve. <laughs>